Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called Blind Ambition and it's one we are more pleased than usual to be able to bring to you in audio form because it's about Minnie Baragwanath who was diagnosed with a degenerative disease at age 15 which left her legally blind. The story discusses how facing her own challenges drives her to change how we think about disability. So here is Elmo Johnston reading Blind Ambition. Close to the end of Auckland's second COVID-19 lockdown, as her brother stopped by for a socially distanced visit in the garden of her Freeman's Bay home, Minnie Baragwanath, 53, suffered a heart attack. That night in hospital, she underwent another. I felt terrified, she writes in her recently published memoir, Blindingly Obvious, and certain my life was over. But again, she found herself returning to the world, awaking to a tight scrum of medical professionals and the beeping of machinery to which she was connected. Later, Baragwanath would be in no way surprised to hear what has been a constant refrain throughout a life lived far from the thick waist of a bell curve. She might have a rare and unusual condition, later diagnosed as spontaneous coronary artery dissection, an untreatable condition that can cause arteries to tear at any time. This time it had happened in her heart, but it could occur almost anywhere throughout her body. It is easy, she writes, to become terrified at the possibility of a sudden, seemingly random reoccurrence. Death, and the approach of hers, then looms large in the pages of Blindingly Obvious, as it does in the life behind the words, perhaps as it does in any examined life. But death, as Saul Bellow wrote, is the dark backing a mirror needs if we're to see anything. And Baragwanath, diagnosed in her teens with a degenerative disease of the eyes that would leave her legally blind, found in that reflection an overriding sense of urgency. This need to write just consumed me, and I thought that whatever else happens, I have got to write whatever the story is that's bubbling up inside of me. As she explained over a hot chocolate at Foxtrot Parlour, the Ponsonby Cafe at which she would ritually unwind after a morning spent working on the book, she felt a desperate need to make sense of her life and her career as an advocate for disabled New Zealanders. In 2011, she founded Be Accessible, now known as Be Lab, with the intention that the social change agency would help make Aotearoa the most accessible nation on earth. But in the strangeness of a world dominated by disease and lockdowns, she had latterly felt the fingers of disillusion tighten around her mind. Driven by her desire to understand some very confusing things that had happened in her life, the first draft of the book took her just five and a half months. My fingers couldn't keep up with my thoughts, she says. When she had submitted the manuscript, she told her editor, that if she were to die in the interim, to go ahead and publish it. My sense of mortality was that immediate. 
as was a desire to counter the prevailing depictions of people living with impairment who, she says, are often reduced to the mere fact of their disability. There was something for me about the importance of this multifaceted person, which all of us are, frankly, and really sort of challenging that desire we have as a society to simplify down to such a point that people lose their texture, that complexity, their paradoxes. I wanted all of that to be in there. Baragwanath's life gave her a rich quarry from which to craft such a narrative. Baragwanath would be forever and dramatically impacted by her diagnosis with Stargardt disease days before her 15th birthday, which would leave her essentially blind in the centre of both my eyes. She was told she would never drive, would not be able to read, and would struggle to recognise faces. Yet coming amid years of family turmoil, her parents' divorce, the death of her mother's partner, she felt the deterioration of her eyesight as merely another card dealt to her by fate. She remembers wondering if she should have been more upset. I did not feel for myself, she writes. I did not think, why me? I have never thought, why me? I just had to get on with things as best I could. I've had this concept around alchemy, Baragwanath says now. When I think about difficulties in life and challenges, there's something in me that feels the need to convert that into something of value. That is true in the macro sense, her blindness, but even more prevalent in the fine-grained texture of the life she presents in Blindingly Obvious. It's striking how often the heights of her achievement business owner, a career in television, both in front of the camera and producing behind it, her advocacy, first as a disability advisor with Auckland Council, later at the helm of B-Lab, blindingly obvious itself, have been precipitated by crisis. In conversation, she calls them these moments that bring me right to the edge. Each has taught her something. After university, she completed an English degree at Victoria with the help of a magnifying glass and books recorded onto tape by her mum, Baragwanath was determined not to miss out on the travel her contemporaries were embarking on. She settled on teaching English in Japan. It would turn out to be a gruelling experience for a 19-year-old who had recently been diagnosed as blind, navigating the train lines on the outskirts of Tokyo by counting the number of stations flashing by, finding her way home by noting landmarks big enough for her to see. Eventually, the isolation and the sheer unrelenting difficulty of her days would lead her into a deep depression and the contemplation of suicide. She was briefly institutionalised before her mum, looking like some mad Mary Poppins she remembers, arrived to spirit her home. The loss of power she felt led her, once she was back in Wellington, into business and something she felt she could control, setting up and running New Zealand's first coffee cart. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into what? the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, that, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. 
crisis would visit again years later when working at Auckland Council as the country's first local government disability advisor, she got pregnant. And unsupported by her partner and unable to see a way in which as a blind woman she would be able to care for a baby by herself, she made the heartbreaking decision to have an abortion. I did not want to be a terrible mother. I did not want to be a disabled, blind, solo mother, she writes. It was a seminal moment. I made a promise to the universe. I promised that somehow I would do something of equal value to that of my unborn child. I would dedicate my life to birthing a fairer, more equitable world. One where no one feels devalued. Where no one feels that they are a burden simply for being who they are. It's a promise that would one day result in B-Lab, the social change agency set up by Baragwanath in 2011, with the aim of helping New Zealand to become the most accessible country on the planet, initially setting up a leadership program and working to help businesses become accessible in the lead-up to the Rugby World Cup in 2011. The progress the organisation made was a dream come true for Baragwanath. For John Allen, the Chancellor of Victoria University Wellington and the Chair of B-Lab since its inception, Baragwanath is a great New Zealander who has changed the way in which many people think and talk about disability. She doesn't see deficit, but rather talent and potential. He notes how Baragwanath has persuaded many New Zealand businesses to employ disabled people or recognise them as potential customers by simply explaining the economic opportunities of inclusion. She laughs often, speaks with passion and authority and cares deeply about the people whose lives she's working to enhance, he says. In 2014, Baragwanath was awarded a New Zealand Order of Merit for services to disability. The following year, however, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. The tortuous details of her surgeries, complications and eventual recoveries are forensically reconstituted and blindingly obvious. And it would be a year before she could return to the organisation she created. She found herself a changed person, experiencing the world through a different lens and able to see how even B-Lab itself had inadvertently reproduced aspects of the inaccessible world outside its walls. She began to think deeply about the future. The humble word with holds near magical properties for Baragwanath. The first shoots of the philosophy it symbolises were nurtured in the aftermath of her abortion. She had felt then scared of being a liability. She learned in a profound way that she didn't have the unconditional support of a society set up to serve the able-bodied. Our fundamental needs, my fundamental needs, are always at the mercy and the whim of others, she writes. But this realisation would, years later, have a more positive corollary. I started to realise, Baragwanath says now, that when I flourished as a young blind woman was when I felt people were with me and with had the sense of walking alongside. If she had felt alone at the time of her abortion and at other difficult times of her life, she later realised it was because of a lack of this feeling of with. Her work at B-Lab, which had begun to focus on the future and ensuring that whatever solutions it would require, those with access needs were an intimate part of them, would eventually result in a new undertaking, 
the Global Centre for Possibility, or GCOP. Established to enable a more future-focused and accessible approach to design by encouraging local leadership in the access community. When we don't design with the access community and from a place of what's possible, we create the most extraordinary socio-economic disadvantage, she says. There are more than one million New Zealanders with access needs, and every single one of us, Baragwanath notes, will one day have an impairment of some kind if we are lucky enough to live to see it. The GCOP held its first possibility showcase in late 2021, the year following Baragwanath's heart attack, with 10 access innovators sharing their visions for accessible products and services. For Baragwanath, it felt like with in action. We were no longer waiting for mainstream society to do what was right. We had taken charge of our own future. Baragwanath has recently moved to Whanganui to be closer with her elderly mum. She lives with her dog Floyd in an old bungalow with a century-old plum tree in the garden. The Global Centre of Possibility is on something of a hiatus as the book has dominated her life. But the book shares a common purpose with her activism. She hopes that Blindingly Obvious will encourage conversation about accessibility and its place in our future. People living with a disability in Aotearoa today, as she says, are the most unemployed and underemployed demographic in the country. This is a design choice. This is a policy choice. This is a legal choice. We can make different choices if the will is there. I would love a nationwide conversation where we really start to look at this concept of what it really means to be with our access leaders and innovators. That was Blind Ambition on the Long Read from Stuff. Written by James Borrowdale, read by Almo Johnston and produced by Jen Black. This episode was edited by John Robbia. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you follow the podcast, you'll get the latest episode automatically. The story was made possible by subscribers to The Post. If you want to support more beautifully told New Zealand stories, go to thepost.co.nz. Thanks for listening. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.